Let's go in-depth on all things Hawkeyes. This is Hawk Central. On Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Happy Wednesday, Hawkeye fans, and welcome into an action-packed episode of the Hawk Central Radio Show right here on 106.3 KXNO. I'm your host, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register. I am a columnist, and I write about the Iowa Hawkeyes, and we'll be directing the conversation tonight. Obviously, tons to discuss this week. The second half of tonight's show will consist of a one-on-one interview I had recently with interim Iowa Athletics Director Beth Getz. I really think you're going to enjoy the content of that conversation and uh, just hearing what she had to say from inside her office at Carver Hawkeye Arena. The first half of our show will revolve around a very newsy stretch for Iowa football. The gambling investigation results are emerging. The Cade McNamara watch continues. And Tyler Tashman, my teammate here at the Register, uh, welcome in. Let's start with the gambling, my friend. Obviously, uh, we got Kirk Ferentz for about 17 minutes earlier today. And he, we were wondering if he was going to give us uh, any names. Uh, obviously, we knew of Noah Shannon already, so he did talk about Noah specifically uh, suspended for the season. Uh, that will go to appeal, but uh, what did you make sort of, of of Kirk's comments surrounding Noah Shannon and, and any other details you feel like offering? Yeah, well, so also the plan is to appeal that, so there's a mm. chance that he could return to the field this season. Um but I think first you look at it from the stance of Iowa's defensive line group, and I think you've written about this, is really deep. So losing Noah Shannon, if he is going to be gone for the entire season, is a significant loss. But there are guys there that can fill some of that production. Aaron Graves, Y.A. Black, Logan Lee. Uh, and then, you know, in other positions on the defensive line, Joe Evans, uh, Deontay Craig, Ethan Herkett, guys like that. Uh, you hope can fill in what what will be lost with Noah Shannon, but I guess on on the other side of things, I think Kirk Ferentz was uh, he he backed up Noah Shannon and and basically saying of how much he had given to the program and and Kirk Ferentz said that Noah Shannon he bet on he said he bet on an Iowa sport that was not football, um, so. I we've been kind of having this discussion like the last month or so of basically like how should the NCAA handle these things yeah. like I it's just a lot of moral like how should things be handled in terms of suspensions I think it's complicated I don't think there's one right answer um but it's just I think from a from a standpoint of Noah Shane it's just unfortunate that it's possible his college career has to end this way. Mm-hmm. And I think I feel for him as a person, but just the nuances of everything that have kind of gone into it is really complicated. Yeah, it, it is complicated. You're right, Tyler, about that. Uh, and Kirk Ferentz definitely is is on the side of Noah Shannon here. That He made that very clear today. I mean, I want to say maybe the first half of our conversation pretty much centered around Noah, um, here's a couple little comments from Kirk. Um, He did say, you know, if someone bets on our sport, tough to say much beyond that. But after that, I really think it needs to be rethought. I strongly believe that. I'm hoping the appeal will maybe reflect some people rethinking things a little bit. We live in a totally different world than we did two or three years ago. And in Noah's case, he hasn't committed a crime at all. He said, I feel like it's a little bit harsh. It's punitive. I'm hopeful they'll reconsider his case. But... I do feel for Noah. I mean, great, upstanding guy. 
comes back for his sixth year. And let's not diminish his on-field contributions at all. I mean, they are deep there, but this is a guy that had eight and a half tackles for loss, a guy that's been starting 27 straight games and uh, plays a huge role uh, in that defensive line for Kelvin Bell. There will be the loss will be felt, no question about that. But uh, as far as just the suspension itself, I mean, those were the rules even before they revised them a little bit. And, um, you know, athletes were told, you know, you can't gamble or you're going to lose your eligibility. So uh, obviously, you know, another segment of Kirk Ferentz's thing had to do with, you know, why, you know, it's kind of interesting, you know, that just Iowa and Iowa State, Iowa State are involved. And what about all the other colleges in Iowa? And I think he said something to the effect of you could fill Kinnick Stadium with, you know, college uh, students who have gambled on sports uh, and certainly could fill it with people who have, you know, drank a beer when they were age 20. So uh, in his mind, you know, and, and I kind of get that side of it, you know, should it be rethought, um, you know, does – you know, a guy gets a, a one-game suspension for an OWI, typically, for Iowa football. This is a season for potentially betting on an Iowa women's game, for example. So uh, pretty uh, – you kind of see his point. But I also have to say the rules are the rules, and now Iowa has to deal with them. And some of the other news, I guess, to, to touch on from – Wednesday was uh, Kirk Ferentz said he's really optimistic that Cade McNamara will play week one against Utah State, which I think. Yeah, we'll obvi- get to that in segment two. But, yeah, oh. go ahead. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, 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 no. Keep going. I didn't mean to jump ahead here. <laughs> here we go. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, that's. But there were. Let's talk about the gambling. We'll get okay. to Cade, okay? No, yeah. There were a couple other guys that we right. don't know. Right. Uh, in the. That Kirk said uh, are facing multi game suspensions. Um, they will not appeal. It does not sound like so. Uh, that didn't, and that does not include Jack Johnson or Aaron Blom, uh, who he alluded to two guys who had serious consequences. You would think that's the two guys, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, the guys that bet on Hawkeye games. And Ferris did not seem to have much sympathy for that. So it seems like we're talking about five current football players: Blom, Johnson, Shannon, and. Two others who will be back sometime this season. We just don't know when or exactly who they are at this point on the record. I, I don't. I don't really want to call this like a silver lining because there's like like I've said this the situation is just you know it, people are hurt in it and but I think when you look at getting closer to a resolution that might be kind of a positive you can take all this out of all of this because one of the issues with kind of everything that's gone on the last few months is that there's just been so much uncertainty like you don't know who is going to be out for potentially how long and now Iowa is has gotten answers so I think if you look at a positive of like the news that they have gotten from the NCAA and obviously you didn't want to be in this situation in the first place but now, before, you know, this isn't dragging on into the season, which I think to me was a concern. It felt like this. Agree. For, yeah. for there to be like a storyline that would be talked about this much that wasn't Iowa's offense at this point. Like, <laughs> that, True. At, at this point. Uh, Maybe it's at, a good distraction. Yeah, well, this close to the season, like it had to be something pretty major. And I think 
you just like wanted to you you wanted to have an answer you wanted it to be over you kind of wanted to have a resolution and I don't think I wouldn't call this a resolution but I think it's getting much closer to there and now Iowa can now Iowa has more information they can go about their process of saying okay which what are we going to appeal how are we going to go about this and now you can try to as much as you can put that behind you and focus on playing football which it seems like this has kind of become at least externally for us a distraction to right because a lot of the mm-hmm. stuff that Kirk Ferentz has been asked about is not about football it's literally just been gambling stuff for like a month plus um but now I, it feels like there's a little bit you can see the light at the tunnel in terms of finally being able to turn the page to actual football which I think is a good thing yeah, and this was uh, this news conference was originally scheduled for Tuesday. Uh, glad they pushed it back a day so we could you know ask about these things. And I think it was smart to for him to at least come out and talk about it. So it almost does feel like Tyler. I don't want to say it's over because we still need to you know see who's not on the field week one uh, for the Hawkeyes. Um, you know, from my understanding, I don't think it's. Uh, I think there might be a starter out there potentially that, that misses time, but I don't think for very long. So. Uh, not overall, I would say, in terms of the whole scope of this football gambling thing, honestly, I from what we know, I think it could have been way worse. You know, and certainly Iowa State. Yeah. Got, I was going to say they got, got hit much, much. They worse. got hit much harder in football, and uh, that bodes well. At least uh, you know that we're reaching a finale. I, I'm glad you put it that way. You're listening to Hawk Center from the Des Moines Register and KXNO. This is Chad Leistico talking Hawkeye football with Tyler Tashman. There is a wrestling element to this, Tyler, as well. Um, There are rumored to be six wrestlers uh, facing suspensions. Um, We do not have – yeah, I don't feel comfortable putting their names out there because we don't have confirmation of that officially. But there could be some starters in there, and uh, I think will be some starters in there. Um, And they could be in the – you know, as you and I know – college wrestling you can't bet on that so their violations most likely if they're out for the season would be same type of thing as Noah Shannon's right like betting on the Hawkeyes or or your your school in some way shape or form um you know and kind of getting busted for it so uh it's interesting that's an interesting conversation and I feel like it, it all ties together so let's think about this Let's say Noah Shannon does get that, or the, or any of these wrestlers, get their suspensions reduced from a season to eight games. Man, that would be just huge. Let's, we're talking football here. That would be huge for this Hawkeye team to have Noah Shannon potentially coming back, you know, in November. I mean, I don't know if it's possible, but I mean, that could be another little silver lining because he's rehabbing anyway right now. Yeah, and I, I think you also look at it from the aspect of, like, this hasn't obviously just affected Iowa football that's what we've been talking about a lot but um recently too a Iowa basketball student manager mm, yeah. accused um of betting on Iowa basketball games his average wager was seven bucks okay, I don't know if he yeah. did the math on that but yeah. anyway but ahead. yeah but no I just think you know and I've had people asking I think it's a valid question of like why I, like why is this happening to Iowa and that's something that Kirk Ferentz brought up I don't know like that's I, that's a good question because we, when we've talked about it before, like I'm sure you can probably go into pretty much every state in the United States and find exactly what people are finding at yeah. Iowa. And unfortunately for the rest of the country or for, for Iowa, Iowa is kind of the, ex- they're getting set as the example for the rest of the country. And I'm sure if I was a 80 or coach 
watching this happen from afar, I am turning up the gambling education by a thousand because I'm saying, look at what's happening over in Iowa and that can happen to us. So I want to make sure that doesn't happen. But no, I think it's a valid question of wondering like, why is this just happening in Iowa? And it's just unfortunate from an Iowa perspective that they kind of have to be the guinea pigs and like yeah. be the example that is set. Yeah, Kirk Ferentz said uh, something to that f- that effect, uh, kind of sarcastically to the effect of like, yeah, it's just our bad luck, I guess, something like that. <laughs> yeah, he said, I guess it's our bad luck. As I understand it, it's a state thing. Why those two universities only were targeted when there's college students all, at all kinds of universities, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I mean, from what we know, it's, it's the fact that I, the state of Iowa wanted to put resources into this and other states do not. And so, um, you know, it is, these aren't, you know, it's basically an underage gambling, you know, citation for, for most of these guys the criminally. And um, so, yeah, you, you wonder why it's worth the, the expenditure on all this. But at the same time, like you said, maybe setting an example for decades to come, you know, that their sports markets don't get compromised. So, yeah, a valid question. Um, obviously, if we get answers on that, we will. Uh, continue, but but our focus continues to be on this football season and uh, trying to find uh, f- find uh, nine ten wins <laughs> on the schedule. We'll get to that next as we circle to the Cade McNamara discussion. We've had a Big Ten Network training camp show and now Kirk Ferentz comments since our last talk central. We will talk about that and more next. You're listening to Chad Leistico and Tyler Tashman of the Des Moines Register on Hawk Central Radio 106.3 KXNO. This is Hawk Central on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central Radio here on 106.3 KXNO. I'm your host, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register. Happy to be joined again by Tyler Tashman of the Register. We will speed along here, Tyler, with my Beth Getz interview coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, big update today on, I mean, uh, an update, I guess, on Caden McNamara, which you teased so beautifully in our first segment. <laughs> that was a false start on me there. <laughs> yeah. Flag on the play. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Cade's first day at camp. Uh, overall, I would say, you know, Pretty consistent news with Cade with what we had heard that, you know, he's, he's resting, recovering. Um, once you, you wrote about it, so why don't you talk about it? It sounds optimistic that he'll be back week one against Utah State. Yeah, Kirk Farron said he's really optimistic that he'll be playing against Utah State on September 2nd. Um, basically just been going through the recovery process right now hasn't been practicing as of yet but the the hope is that he could return to football activities at the end of the week I think also notable beyond how important that is and having him back I I don't think I need to go too much into that but uh Joe Labus who started the Music City Bowl last season and I was one over Kentucky he has been out but Kirk Ferentz said he could return at the end of this week. So I think that is honestly big news as well because right now you are looking yeah, at definitely. Uh, Deacon Hill taking first team snaps and, and Deacon Hill being the Wisconsin transfer, but he hasn't thrown a pass in college football game action. Right. So you're looking at a pretty thin and unexperienced quarterback room with Cade and Joe out. And so I right. think that obviously Cade is the guy if he's healthy, but to be able to have a guy like Joe Labus behind him, that if, if something, cause there's so many questions about Iowa's offensive line. Right. If something were to happen to 
Cade in a shorter, long-term kind of situation, I think you probably would feel better with Joe Labus out there. I don't, I don't know, you know, how guys are looking behind the scenes, but Joe Labus, at least he has some experience in game action. He kind of – he did what was needed in that Kentucky game. Right. Um, so I think – from a quarterback standpoint, I think Wednesday was there, – there was some really encouraging news out of it. Yeah, here's a quote that I feel like maybe has been misconstrued a little bit, but I'll just read it and we'll kind of discuss it. Ference said of Cade – first of all, he did say Cade needs work with our team right now, so we can't lose the fact that even though he's potentially going to be back week one, uh, you know, he did miss some crucial fall camp time here. They just haven't had a lot of 11-on-11 with him. So that could be an early season growing pain. But uh, he did say of Cade, it's been a recovery process. They've got a procedure for it. Hopefully at the end of the week he can start doing some things. Everything looks like it's on schedule, so that's encouraging. Um, and he said he was not worried about his toughness. But just wanted to make sure that his legs were good, um, you know, to be able to play. So, um, you know, the word procedure, we were both kind of discussing that afterwards. What it sounded like to me, and I think we kind of came to the same conclusion as we both listened back to it. Just a procedure of like how to recover from, you know, a quad injury right. or a quad process, muscle injury. The process of yeah. getting back, I think. So yeah. I don't think there's any you – know, I don't believe there was any surgery, anything like that done. I mean, certainly uh, – you know, outside chance. But I think given this nature of the injury that we know, uh, yeah, it's the type of thing. Like when I pl- – like I last year when I was playing tennis, I uh, – I know you're laughing because this is a segue into what you want to talk about. But <laughs> it, I had a torn calf muscle that kept me out about three weeks. Um, it sounds worse than it really is, but you just can't – you just have to let it recover. Like you, there's nothing you can do, you know – I didn't have access to the Hawkeye trainers, for example. You didn't? <laughs> I Are asked. we sure about I that? I asked. I asked. Come no. Back, no, I think no. Well, I, I think you're a frontrunner for comeback player of the year. So do you want to tell the <laughs> tell the great people of Iowa what? Well, Tyler's having some fun with me here because I, I mentioned he knew I had um, my city league tennis tournament last week. So the last time I saw him, he didn't know how it was going to go. So I ended up winning the whole tournament. It's the first time I've ever won it. And uh, I know um, the guy that I beat is a big Hawk fan, and he's an awesome player. I hardly ever beat him, and he played great. So I had to play awesome to win. I got very lucky. Um, I think I used uh, my conditioning and the heat to uh, to persevere. I credit my cross-country and track background. So there you go. Uh, yeah, come yeah. back. If anyone wants to play me in singles <laughs> – Cooper DeGene in particular, <laughs> bring it on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, what were we talking about? I don't know. Yeah. Cade McNamara. Oh, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I'm like, uh, I'll be interested to see if he's there on Tuesday. That'll be very interesting, right? Will he talk? I kind of think he will. I don't know. That's just my gut feeling. I think Cade will put himself out there and basically say I'm ready to go. That'd be my guess. I, I think maybe something that's been kind of not talked about as much that Kirk Ferentz mentioned, and I think you just mentioned, which is important to note, is that this fall camp is like is really important in terms of continuing to build chemistry for Cade McNamara because mm-hmm. I think it kind of gets lost in like him people hoping that he can kind of help save the Iowa offense that like he hasn't worked with these guys for very long that's just the nature of the transfer portal you have quarterbacks and receivers and guys coming in and it's more uncommon now for someone to build chemistry over three to four years because they're usually not in the same program with those guys for that long so uh there was that trip out to california where he 
built was building some of that chemistry uh with with his pass catchers but it's it will be interesting to see that if he is 100 percent or if he's healthy enough to play week one how much growing pains there are and how much it feels like maybe him having to sit out for some of some of the lead up to the season will affect the week one performance like if if it's going to take a couple of weeks to kind of build some of that uh that rhythm and build some of that chemistry and I'm almost feel like saying like unless Iowa like loses to Utah State or something I think it's important to like not overreact to the offense week one I'm sure I'll probably get into that more and people also I don't want to say people will say but it's my first year on the beat so like I'm sure people are more frustrated that have watched Iowa for longer than I have and but I would say from watching last season back and now knowing all the different pieces and stuff like I would just if you're going to overreact about the offense week one for because it's not good enough I would just just pump the brakes a little bit I guess I would say because of everything all these different kind of circumstances well um a couple I guess optimistic or at least I don't know at least notable updates we should mention Nico Regaini uh has not been practicing either and he wasn't at the kids day or didn't perform in the kids day scrimmage um sounds like he'll be back soon uh Cooper DeGene is back on the practice field so that's good news uh who else there was someone else um who else was uh maybe back uh, I guess Labus. We talked about him, Labus, right? So, yeah. and then I mean, basically, other than Jeff Bowie, who it sounds like uh, you know is a reserve um, uh, young player, no one has a serious injury that we know of. And it sounded like Kirk. You know, Kirk said they've all got. A, everyone else has a chance to be back for game week. So, overall, you know, the Noah Shannon news aside, I mean, there's there's some positivity there. Um, what else? Uh, Long snapper Luke Elkin is <laughs> now right. on scholarship. That's right. So he said he's been spectacular since he got here. Just consistent, dependable, great team guys. I like. I don't. I haven't seen a video on social media of it. I don't know if Iowa does that, but like I. They don't. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, those are fun to watch. <laughs> I like watching those when you see the guy. You know them say you're on scholarship and everyone mobs yeah. them, but. Yeah, uh, yeah. AJ Lawson also not in, not uh, on the on scholarship. Uh, they are supporting him academically as he goes. So that was kind of the trade there, Elkin for for Lawson. Uh, you wrote about Xavier Wampa. I wrote about special teams. We about got about a minute each. Anything you want to say about Xavier as he gets ready to uh, kind of launch into his first season as a starter? No, it just feels like he's an obvious candidate to break out. Kayvon Merriweather leaving. Uh, the spot as, at safety alongside uh, Quinn Schulte becomes open, and just given his physical tools, how heralded he, he was as a recruit, it just feels like, you know, whether it happens or not, that you look at him as a guy that could be a big part of the defense and, and a big part of a secondary that is losing a, a couple of key pieces. Yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do, and, um, you know, especially if teams are thrown away from Cooper DeGene. You know they're going to have to throw at somebody, and uh, Xavier Wampa has proven he can uh, make plays. So um, yeah, I wrote about the the kicking game. Uh, Tory Taylor 
and uh, Drew Stevens, Tory Taylor, first team AP All American. Cooper DeGene, also a first team AP All American. This is preseason as a defensive back, but uh, as I kind of pointed out in my article, between those three guys, you've got three elite special teamers. I mean, Drew Stevens was second team All Big Ten, 16 of 18 from field goal on field goals last year, and he has gained 38 pounds, Tyler. I mean, I, you're a workout guy. He gained 38 pounds in like a, a year and a half. That's, yeah, that's pretty impressive. So, kicker. Yeah. <laughs> He said he has not lost leg speed, and that's the most important thing. So we could see his distance uh, improve. Torrey Taylor said he's been working on his directional punting, trying to do fewer reps, which is good because they they have uh, just recently obtained backups from other colleges. Uh, You can read my article to find out who. But uh, those guys can't get hurt. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Oh, the last thing I'll add is um, if we have time. Do we have time? Yeah, we got about twenty seconds. Okay. Yeah. Uh, o line the the, I guess. Kirk, oh yeah. Kirk Kirk yeah. Ferentz's top five. He said he that he hasn't figured out a top five yet. He is open to rotating guys through if they show they're capable. But that's one of like, and you've written about this the big storylines heading into the season. Like Spencer Petrus has taken heat the last few seasons, and uh, but the offensive line deserves some of the blame for how yeah, bad for sure. Iowa's offense has been. So it's not like a huge update today from Kirk Ferentz, but they're still trying to figure out what the five best guys yeah. are. Yeah, and but to quote him, he said, that's good, that's a positive, all the depth that they have on the line. So it seems like the bullishness we heard at Big Ten Media Days has, has transformed into a solid fall camp. And now they're in school, and next week is game week so there we go coming up next iowa interim athletics director beth getz will join me for a one-on-one you won't want to miss you're listening to chad leistico and tyler tashman on hawk central 106.3 kxno this is hawk central on des moines sports station 106.3 kxno Welcome back to Hawk Central Radio here on 106.3 KXNO. Chad Leistico here from the Des Moines Register until 7 o'clock tonight. As promised, I am thrilled to be joined by a very special guest, new interim Iowa Athletics Director Beth Getz, whose first day on the job was August 2nd, which I think is about the time the league added Oregon and Washington, right? Wasn't that like your first day? Well, they <laughs> timed it much? out really well, I think. So uh, day one and Welcome. there was nothing yeah. going on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, before we get to kind of some hands-on questions about the Iowa job itself, uh, we are coming off your first press conference, which uh, I thought was uh, tremendous, hit a lot of topics. We might double up on some of those, but I did want to give our listeners, our you know, Hawk fans out there, a chance to get you to know you a little bit better. Um, so here's what I got on your background. Let me know if I'm off on anything. Native of the St. Louis area, right? That's right. Okay. Played soccer at an All-American level. I don't know if you're going to brag on yourself or not, but. At Brevard College, correct, in North Carolina, and then became a captain for Clemson in soccer, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, and then coached, uh, started coaching at Missouri-St. Louis uh, soccer, right, Mm -hmm. 1997. So how did that kind of shape your career path, did you feel like? Well, you know, I actually was going to be a therapist, so I really took a different direction, although given, (laughs) um, I I really am grateful for the background, even though I obviously am not an expert in in counseling, but it, it, you know, anytime you're working with people, it it turns out handy. But um, yeah, you know what, I played for... um, 
some great coaches in college and, and really in, in, in club and in high school as well. And as we talk about all the time, they just have such an impact on, on your life. Mm-hmm. And I've been working some camps, and uh, my college coaches kept saying, you really ought to coach. Um, and I hadn't thought about it. I thought, I have to go to grad school. I, I don't know what this is about, but uh, was really fortunate. Um, started uh, as, a, as an assistant and was going to grad school, and then the head coach left and um you know, I they must have had a, a lot going on because at, at 23 they hired me as a as a head coach and uh, wow. just you know really fell into it. And then you know, small school you get your hands in a lot of things. So I was doing sure. administration and coaching. But yeah, yeah. What else did they have you doing? Because I've talked to Kirk Ferentz before. He was like his first job. He was coaching girls basketball even. So they do. <laughs> they just um, throw you at everything. They really do. But you know what? It's a great, just a really great training ground to get your yeah. feet wet. So as soon as they figure out that you can manage, you know, practice. <laughs> this and how to get get your team to to a game they add different things to your plate so I, I was there for about 12 years and over that time you're teaching classes but you know mm-hmm. one time you're you know your equipment manager then you're running the business office um i did a little compliance and so you get to you really do get to learn all sides in a small place because you know it's all hands on deck all the time so for me it was it was a perfect sort of launching uh ground to to understand what the bigger picture might look like and um and where i wanted to go eventually yeah yeah, I love I love that. That's uh, reminds me of my early career in journalism. Uh, you know, answering phones and you know, getting to know high school coaches and all that stuff, and driving to small towns and trying to find the stadiums before you had map quests and. <laughs> The young ones don't don't understand how we did this. There were no cell phones when when I was recruiting, and there definitely wasn't. The map thing is is I don't even know how I functioned without a map. But yeah, times have changed a little bit. So we're showing our age here. I know. Well, you you and I are. uh, I think we're both forty nine years old. All right. So uh, correct me if you're wrong. I'm wrong, but uh, your journey as an administrator is pretty impressive. Um, Here's. Associate AD at Butler. Then you go to Minnesota where you become the interim AD during a very tumultuous time. Um, and then COO at UConn for two years, then Ball State AD for four years. So uh, did you feel like all that was leading you to Iowa or how did kind of Iowa come about? How did Iowa be- get on your radar from being a very successful athletics director at Ball State to becoming the deputy here about one year ago? Yeah. You know, I, I think sometimes you think you've got this grand plan to, about how everything's going to work out. And, you know, I've always sort of tried to take the approach of am I learning, am I growing, and am I, am I making an impact? Um, and I've been really fortunate that every place I've been has been really hard to leave. Um, mm-hmm. And it was no different um, in this case, no matter how and no matter how I felt about the opportunity at Iowa, it was really hard for me to, to make a decision to, to leave Ball State. I just loved it there. Uh, President Jeffrey Mearns is, um, he's just one of the best people I'll ever ever meet and have a chance to be around as a, as a leader and as a person. Um, but, you know, there was the time in college athletics where we were, all the things that are going on in the Power Five. Obviously, I'd worked in the Big Ten. Um, the Big Ten means something to me mm-hmm. um, it just it, in terms of, you know, growing up in the footprint and, and, and being around it for so long. And, um, I, you know, I knew Gary. We um, had the opportunity to get to know each other uh, back when I was at Minnesota the first time. 
Sure. And, yeah. uh, you know, he it, we developed a little bit of a relationship then. I always admired everything he'd done and um, the impact he made across, um, you know, college athletics, weather division, uh, one council, um, obviously the CFP. So, um, you know, that those things were you were certainly aware of. Um, and then just the history of what had been going on, um, you know, from a success standpoint over the decades here mm-hmm. um, at Iowa was intriguing. And so when when it when the opportunity came up, I just I felt like it was it could be a really good fit for me personally um my background um the the values i share the location all of those things were were a really good fit and i just feel grateful that that ultimately they they decided to to (laughs) offer me a position here yeah so in the press conference you said you're about three and a half hours from home right from yes. like parent, uh, parents brothers sisters anything like that or? yeah um, I'm, my parents are still in St. Louis nice. um, okay. and I've got um, one of um, the oldest of four girls actually okay. I have one sister really? and her family uh, that are in St. Louis and uh, the other three of us are in three different states so okay. uh, but yeah well you're the oldest so you got good organizational skills right uh, <laughs> I may be pretty close to a prototypical firstborn <laughs> child in, in some old psych book yeah. some place so um, we're on the same page yeah Yeah. i'm the oldest as well (laughs) uh so did the i mean the gary barda news uh took us took me by surprise i did not see that coming i mean until like the day before is that a surprise to you did he let you in on that before or how did that how did you find out that gary was retiring and all of a sudden probably you're going to be the interim yeah well you know unfortunately he gave me a little more of a heads up than he did you all um (laughs) but no you know i i knew um yeah just in conversations when i had taken the job that um it was possible that he may not work another five years. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know exactly what his timing was, but, you know, at some point leading into that, he shared his decision. And, um, you know, I'm, uh, what he's contributed here has been, and again, to the landscape has been great. And I think he and his family felt like it was the right time and um, perhaps sooner than, than, than I expected and everybody else expected. But, you know, happy for happy for him. And um, I know he's excited about whatever the next journey might be. Sure. Uh, Barbara Wilson, the president of the UI says uh, search committee or hiring process won't really begin until early 2024 so do you uh, assume like the you want the AD job eventually right at Iowa I well I mean, you know right now I am focused on doing the job she asked me to do yeah. so um, but yeah it's you know it's Iowa I, w- yeah. I want to be a part of the Hawkeye team and yeah. and uh, you know I'm happy to do that in the role that they, they asked me to so, um, so I guess what I'm asking is do you feel like this is like an audition of sorts I mean that's kind of a nice long audition honestly like like, I mean, I think rather than just going straight to a search, maybe. Sure, How do you sure. feel about that? Yeah, you know what? I, my my sense is, um, I you know, I have a lot of respect in a short time for for President Wilson, and she's a great leader. And so, um, you know, I, I don't know um, from a uh, you know her perspective what the the timing means to her. Sure. Um, but yeah. yeah, part of this is being an athlete, right? You you get asked to to step in and play a role, and mm-hmm. you do that to the best of your ability. Um, and you know what happens after that is is really up to the coach and and i trust that she's going to make a great decision for for iowa whatever that looks like um and in the meantime i'm you know grateful to to continue to get work to get to work alongside such a great team here so what uh what would be your highest priorities in in your new role you know as of august 2nd like what what's at the top of your list well you know i've actually shared this these are really broad but um you know i think just from a um, stylistic standpoint and what i'll focus on and then you have to layer this on obviously with specifics but uh for me i just i 
one, I think communication and transparency is really important, uh, both internally, externally. Want to be um, able to to share the great things that are going on and and communicate as can, as best we can. I think within our department and on campus and to our fan base, um, engagement. I just think is always a critical piece of what you do. So um, you know, you continue to build uh, relationships and stronger relationships with people in our department, with our coaches, so they know that you're you support them and um, engagement means you got to show up right having a presence at practice and competitions and those types of things and the same thing's true externally because i mean iowa is just so special in that the um, there's just nothing like the Hawkeye fan base. Um, and so, you know, I'm anxious to, to meet any and all of them. And, and we've got some, you know, great supporters I've had a chance to get to know, but there are many more out there. And so not just for me, but for our entire team, we want to do that. Then we'll focus, obviously, on some short-term and long-term um, tangible priorities um, you know we've got some fundraising campaigns that are really important um to us we've got uh scheduling uh yeah, that we've got to get, we've got to work and <laughs> and get done um here as as we transition to 2024 and in a league of 18 um all of those things are just critically important so we you know we keep a, a list and it'll evolve a little bit but um excited to to keep moving down that path sure uh the wrestling facility i just walked past it on the way in here how's that coming along you have a time frame on that i know that's some people are thinking maybe more aggressive than initially. I don't know. Yeah, you, you know, and it's always risky when you're talking uh, end of construction process. <laughs> I understand, and, um, especially so, going into the winter. So far, although now that you're on the internal side of that project, yeah. working more indoors, uh, the weather less, true, a little true, less true. impactful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's you know I think it's it's going to be late you know early late spring um, okay. that we'll be able to get in there. You know, even if, even if you could get in early, obviously there you you got a championship to compete for mm-hmm. uh, in march but um it's that it really is a little bit ahead of schedule and we could not be pleased more pleased they did such an incredible job on design the construction group has been phenomenal and um i mean just walking past past there now that they have some of the siding on the glass yeah it looks impressive it it really is impressive yeah it it really does and then uh another listener um reader wanted to ask about carver hawkeye renovations i think some stuff was announced late 2022 so about Eight months ago or something? Is there a, uh, what is your vision for what uh, a remodel or whatever of Carver Hawkeye yeah. would entail? You know, we, we actually are um, working right now with the firm on a, a little bit of a feasibility study. So we'll know more in the coming months about what that might look like. But, you know, I think there's a, it's a, a what a wonderful place to, to get a chance to play a basketball game or host a, you know, a gymnastics meet. Um, but it, it's, you know, it's, it's um, getting a little more seasoned over time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so uh, from, you know, some additional maybe fan amenities, I think are important and, um, you know, how we move people in and out of the concourse and i think are all things that we would that that we're going to want to explore but um excited uh, to really dive in and see what see what they come up with and then yeah me um, too yeah and then from there you know we'll you know we'll start to to look at some philanthropic approaches to Mm -hmm. to making that a reality yeah yeah it's such an interesting arena like to think about I, do, I would like to know what's actually feasible and what's not. So I'm glad you're doing this. Yeah. It makes sense. I, you know, now I'm saying this, I think what I should have led with, and I did learn quickly, is more ice cream machines, right? Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> anybody I talk to, that's, that's, that seems to be the most the most important thing. So we'll, we'll explore that too. But yeah, um, exactly. but yeah, I think, you know, just as buildings age and um, things yeah. change a little bit, you want to make sure 
you're paying attention to that. So Absolutely. We talked uh, in your press conference a little bit about the NIL. I actually asked mm-hmm. about that a little bit, but maybe just get into more specifics. Like what uh, – it sounds like you've had uh, productive conversations with Brad Heinrichs um, with the Swarm Collective. Like anything specifically that you feel like the university can do early on to maybe help help what they're doing? Because I know that's something that, that he was looking for early with Gary. Um, I don't know, just any thoughts you have in terms of how maybe the UI can help them help you, so to speak. Right. Yeah, you know, the um, it's less about where we find alignment between us and the Swarm because we are 100% on the same page in terms of wanting them to be successful and want our student-athletes to have um, that opportunity. Um, I, I think what we have to continue to massage a little bit is, um, you know, what what are the rules? What are we comfortable doing? Um, and, and how do we navigate what that looks like? Because they... What, this is all impactful and important to us in the same way. It's just a different process for how uh, the funds have to be raised. So, mm-hmm. you know, Brad and I, and I actually uh, were just t- um, discussing some dates to sit down and maybe talk about some concepts he has. But I think in the short term, some of it is just your narrative and your dialogue. Um, sure. And it makes yeah. sense to me that it's taken because it's it's not like any of us sat around and said, oh, hey, this is this is exactly what we envisioned college athletics being at this moment in time. I think it it's taken our fans and others a while just to to sort of process what this means and what it looks like and i think the more that's happened over the last year and that's you know certainly a credit to the work that brad and others have have done to help help everybody understand how it works i mean the way that our student athletes have now had opportunities to engage in the Mm -hmm. community um starts to feel a little bit better and it's not for any it's not for everybody um but you know i think how we conversationalize it's important how we conversationalize how it fits into the other ways in which we um, you know ask and and um, you know request support from from our generous donors is important so that's certainly one of the pieces of the the puzzle um, and there's some you know ancillary things you know there's you know it's the launch of swarm beer how fun is that um, collective or not no collective but um, sounds like we're having trouble keeping that on the shelves and uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's true or not but like everybody else I saw they ordered quite a bit of it yeah. um, and anticipation like it, yeah. of the first game so um but you know there's some really neat things that in and of itself are great ways for all of us that are hawkeye fans to to celebrate that right you know yeah. it's it's a neat it's just another thing that brings us all together which is neat yeah well said uh yeah that, I, I put out a call for questions and the number one thing people wanted to know about was you know would it be different uh your relationship with the nal so good answer there appreciate it uh kirk ferentz uh we talked a little bit about that impressor as well, but uh, your relationship with him, like how, I mean, he's in season now, so I'm sure you're not like just hanging out all the time, but uh, good relationship, a good start with, with him. And uh, eventually you may have to, you know, replace him. Well, we're not going to think about that part right now. Um, uh, of course, we always understand, um, you know, things at some point in time uh, change. But, um, you know, you you got a Hall of Fame coach. When I, I mean, the success he's had over 24 years, soon to be 25, is, is outstanding. And it's been um, just really neat to, to start to get to spend a little bit more time with him. So we are meeting and, um, you know, visit about, you know, your practical sort of operational things. Yeah. Uh, but I've just enjoyed being out of practice. Um, and, you know, you sometimes you have more to talk about than than you than you want given other things that are going on and you're calling to say hey by the way while you were in practice we added two new <laughs> teams to the conference um <laughs> 
But it's you know it's it's always uh, just it's always neat just to see how each team operates because they're a little bit different. They all have a little bit of a different culture, and to watch somebody that's done it for for that long and had the success and and the way we go about building success here um, with the type of kid and developing and this is actually goes for all of our sports, but um, and developing these young athletes into uh, you know into something really special. Um, it's it's cool to see up front. So I you know he's he's been really welcoming. And and, and certainly allowed yeah. me to have a window into how they operate. And so I'm, I'm enjoying that process, and and uh, hopefully we're both enjoying getting to know each other a little bit better. Yeah. So, I mean, let's just say uh, in November he comes to you and says, hey, this, I'm, I'm hanging it up after this year. Do you have to – in your mind, like, do you have to kind of prepare for that now just in case that were to happen? Like, where you're at least mentally envisioning, like, hey, here's a short list. I need to check in on these things on case, Or do you wait until – Wait until that time comes. Yeah. Well, again, I don't know if this is as much about, you know, what coach is going to do this year or not this year. Yeah. And, and uh, we're I mean, I don't he, think he's going to do yeah. this. I'm just I, saying. I think we're hoping he continues to, <laughs> to do what he's doing and be successful for, for years to come. But um, but I think just as ironically, just as he would say, when you're asking the same question, what are you doing if, if your starter can't go in? Yeah. Um, I, I think all of us um, in any role need to make sure that we understand what our process would be if, if something that like that were to, were to happen or when something like that happens. And so, um, you know, that's part of the responsibility mm-hmm. is to to be prepared and know how you'd go about it and um you know when when those moments come whether it's in you know football or with the you know director of communications or with an athletic trainer then you you know how you, how you want to move forward yeah and uh you were asked in the press conference about brian's contract too and um i know there's a lot of interest in that how your answer is really good on that and uh, just to recap for our listeners um you know who didn't catch the press conference how would you speak to the, the 25 points per game is still in place the seven wins still in place uh, i mean it could be i mean it could be different if it's like 24.7 or you know eight win, you know eight wins and 24.7 anything like yeah. that or how do you how would you uh articulate that to our listeners yeah and you know i said this before earlier chad i mean um and and i i get it it's very unique um but it's the agreement that that was put in place um, and we understand there's going to be chatter around it Um, but from a day-to-day perspective um, and any coach i've ever met is worried about winning games Mm -hmm. Um, and and not that we don't want to win them with more style or more points or um, anything like that but um, i am 100 percent confident that that brian and that kirk and that that entire staff and all of our coaches they're focused on how how do we beat this opponent and have one more point on our side of the scoreboard than than they do um and and also in developing our young men and our young women and so i i know that's what football is doing that's what they're thinking about day in and day out and the truth is that's what we're thinking about how do we support them in that and then just like you know is is the is the process at the end of a year we'll evaluate and see where we are makes sense uh I know we're running out of time here, but uh, scheduling-wise, there is a lot of interest in the 2024 football schedule. Uh, How much input or conversation is there right now? What's the time frame? And I assume probably staying at nine-game schedule next year conference schedule at this point i've not been involved in any discussions to date that okay. are talking about doing something differently so um certainly where there is going to be a uh, <laughs> strong interest in having that schedule yesterday by by all of us right um from coaches from fans and, and all of us so we can start to plan so um you know i've been just incredibly impressed with um commissioner petiti and and his okay. staff as we went through this uh this process and certainly they were leading us through um, uh, schedules to begin with with, uh, mm-hmm. with the first 
first two editions, but um, they've been incredibly responsive. I, I know that they are working to to put some things and some concepts in front of the athletic directors, and certainly talking okay. to the football coaches as well. So um, by by nature of the timing, it's going to be a quick process. Sure, um, but it'll be an engaging one, and and uh, you know I think we'll be able to to come up with a great competitive schedule that um, welcomes you know these four uh, new um, four new teams to the league. Yeah. We're excited about that. From what you know, did. Will the three protected rivals kind of be in at least be in place for next year, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Nebraska, or is that still to be determined? I think everything's being looked at right yeah. now. Um, so, but the truth is, we just haven't seen what that'll look like yeah. yet in reality. So, um, you know, as soon as next week, we're we're going to start to gotcha. be in the weeds in that <laughs> and a little bit, um, a little bit more um, detail. So, uh, it, we're all as anxious as everybody else is to see how that plays out. All right, one more, one more in the weeds question that that someone wanted to ask uh you know if assuming you get the job permanently and and the fact that more revenue presumably will be coming in from the big 10 media deals any thought about bringing back some sports that were were cut uh under the previous regime. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's really hard to an- answer a lot of hypotheticals. There were a couple hypotheticals I know. I'm, I'm in big there. on hypotheticals. Okay, it's there's a, podcast, a few right? of them in there. Yes, it is a podcast. <laughs> few of them in there. This is what I would say. I mean, I, you know, I, I can't imagine, and obviously it's happened at lots of institutions, but I can't imagine what it feels like for a student athlete or an alum, mm-hmm. um, you know, to have their program discontinued discontinued just the you know the emotional tie the disappointment that that you feel um w- would be real and and you know as an administrator i been in a lot of places that have um, ha- have had to talk about that, have not had to be at a place that had to make those decisions, but I know they're incredibly difficult. Um, I would say in the short term, you know, there's some realities of, of uh, you know, what we are still recovering from in relation to uh, the pandemic and loan payments and, and trying to navigate the national landscape. So, um, you know, in the short term, I'm not sure that'll, that'll be something that's discussed, but uh, again, I, you know, it's just, those are just heartbreaking moments. And you heard me saying there i i just you know personally you want these experiences to be available at any level um and and in every sport um that you can for as many students as you can because i just think they're that impactful yeah would you be in favor of additional big 10 expansion do you like where it's at now um personally i think we're you know i think right now where we are um you know let's let's figure out how to (laughs) how to navigate that space and um i think we're all really comfortable then and feel fortunate that we've got um similarly positioned academic schools um, that share our values, yeah. obviously nationally competitive brands. Um, and I think it's going to be, you know, they've, they've done a, just a great job in, in uh, continuing to build on, on what I think is the best conference in the country, um, but to build on that brand and to build in that competitive environment. So um, that said, you've got to continue to evaluate the landscape. But I think, you know, I think right now um, we're in a really comfortable place. We uh, we at Hawk Central appreciate uh, your time, Beth, today. And I know the, all the Hawkeye fans out there, I put out the call for questions. Like, people really are passionate about <laughs> Iowa athletics. I bet you figured that out in the first year on the job. I, I did. And, and what a great what a great gift to have. And, and that means not just yeah. because they're excited um, about something, but also because there may be some things that they like to see differently. And mm-hmm. um, you just have to be grateful for that passion every day. So um, it's been a lot of fun. And I've, I've listened to your podcast a bunch, so. Um, what a thrill to finally be on oh well thank you very much beth it was our pleasure to have you so thank you hawkeye fans for tuning in we're only 10 days away from the hawkeye season opener in football tune in next wednesday night for a game week edition of hawk central radio where we'll preview iowa versus utah state talk to you then right here at 106.3 kxno good night everyone